Thank you for checking out this message given at Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more info about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. Now here's the message given by our special guest, Leif Edlund. That's a covenant statement where he says, I am that I am. I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your freedom. I am your sufficiency. I am your joy if you're sad. I am your provision if you have that. Whatever you need, look at his hands on his side, and he took care of that on the cross. So say his presence. His peace. His provision. And then the Bible says, they became glad. So each one of the disciples from sadness and being overwhelmed, now suddenly they got the oil of gladness. They got suddenly a whole new passion back. So say his presence, his peace, his provision, his passion, and then double for your trouble. The only thing the disciples received double was peace, and we're going to need it in this season. So he's imparting double peace to them. He says, first was peace with you, and now peace to you. So peace to you. Say his peace. And now they are back into the alignment. So say it again. Say his presence. Fill me with your presence. Say his peace. Fill me with your peace. His provision. Fill me with your provision. His passion. Fill me with your passion. His peace. Fill me with your peace. This is the alignment. Now the assignment can begin. He said, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he is sending us and being sent, this is the apostolic, being sent out, you're going to be full of his presence, full of his peace, full of his provision, whatever you need the world have. But first he ministered to us. He brings us into the alignment so that we can start our assignment. We don't go and try to do the assignment without the alignment. It starts for us first receiving something so that we can give to the world. Freely we receive, freely we give. So say his present, his peace, his provision, his passion, his peace, and his purpose. So if you're a school teacher, you would say, thank God it is Monday in two days. If you're an engineer, you say, thank God. If you're a farmer, thank God, because wherever you're going, you're taking and you're bringing his peace and you change the environment. You're bringing his presence. You're bringing his provision wherever you are. In the grocery store, wherever you go, you get to represent him. You represent a God that looks just like Jesus, full of his presence, full of his peace, full of his provision, full of his passion, full of his peace. Now you have a new purpose. And then with that purpose, we need a new power. Say his power. His power. So he read on the disciples said, receive, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. He never intended for us to do it alone. So he wanted us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say his spirit. His power. And then the last verse, verse 23. This is John 2023. So you see this year is 2023. And here it says, if you forgive the sins of Andy, we heard a worship leader so beautifully describing forgiveness and the power. But he says, if you, if you, if you, Steve, if you, Pastor Steve, if you, Jennifer, if you, Michelle, if you forgive the sins of Annie, they will be forgiven. This is a scary statement that Jesus says in John 20, 23, because literally what killed Jesus was in the culture out there when he went around forgiving sins, only God could forgive sins. And it was part of why they crucified him. And now he tells the disciples they're going to do the very thing they got him in trouble. Wow. But now they got his presence and his presence. His peace. His provision. His passion. His peace. His purpose. His power. And his perspective and his paradigm. He says, if you forgive the sins of Annie, they will be forgiven. But if you retain the sins of Annie, they will be retained. Your view towards the world out there has all to do with how we treat it. Because you're going to represent God before people and people before God. Full of his presence, full of his peace, provision, and etc. And this has to do with the paradigm and the perspective. And I just felt we're going to come into an alignment in this season so that we can get ready for the assignment. So we get to represent him before people. And there's people out there, I know what they deserve. I know what Barabbas deserve. I know that murder what he deserve. But I take his place so he can become free. 
That is the ministry of reconciliation that he's giving us as ambassador of love. So let's just invite Father right now and just, there's people right now as you are standing before us as beloved sons and daughters and you are showing us your hand and your sight. So Father, I just release now that every immune system, any trauma that has been, I just release now, oh, I am that I am. I am your healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God that healed. There's healing in the covenant. There's healing in the kingdom. And there's healing in the atonement. In the precious blood of Jesus. Shalom. Just the word shalom when he releases peace that means wholeness, completeness. So just release shalom. Go deeper. Surrendering to the Prince of Peace, the very Shalom. Jesus, the Prince, meaning royal son of wholeness. There's no sickness, no disease, no pain. I just even speak to somebody, somebody here with a rotator cuff is being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody there holds an L4, L5 going down your sciatica in your left leg. It's being healed right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for oh, your provision, the very shalom, the very abundance, the completeness, supernatural provision flowing at this very moment into the body of Christ. Just receive it more. Just even at this moment, if you need healing in your body, just raise your hand. And I want the people by the side of you right now, just around. Some people around. I want you just to reach out. See somebody's hand. You're the ministry team. It is not me. Every single one of you that have now is present. You just release a shalom and speak shalom. So if you can find someone here that have their hands up like together the body, it's going to be so healthy. The immune system of the body probably said, Whoa! Cancer cannot stay. So just release right now. Kind of pain cannot stay. Whatever is the issues. Be Shalom. So just start to speak. If you don't know where I just bless your body with shalom, meaning wholeness. With Jesus, the Prince of Wholeness. I just bless you right now with the I am that I am. I just sensing that the body of Christ oh, is going to become so healthy. We've seen it twice in my ministry experience where everybody got healed without anybody praying. It was just the body of Christ that came together. And then we're entering into a season where, wow, just starts to bring in that, oh, there it is, yeah, wholeness, wholeness, be made whole in Jesus' name, be free in Jesus' name. Just, you just go and just love on her for a few moments. Just take a few more moments here. Let's just minister to one another. You're not alone. Thank you for this precious mama. I just thank you, Father, even at this moment. from Luke 19, 10, where Jesus came to say that which was lost. I want you to capture this. Luke 19, 10. Jesus came to say, he didn't say just those that was lost. Those are included in it. But it says Jesus came to say that which was lost, including quality of life, including finances, including relationship, including any area where the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to say that, that which was lost. So Father, I just come at this very moment and I just release, uh, redeem, redeem and restore any area where the enemy came to kill, steal and destroy. At this very moment, when Jesus came to say, that 
which was lost, to go right in and just starts this turnaround anointing to be able to bring shift. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use it for good. He's going to use all things out for good because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. So we just release the flames of love, the fire of love. Go deeper, deeper. Just let him minister for a few moments. I just sense this is a body type where we minister to one another, we love one another, and eventually that's how the world is going to see who we are, because we have got a lot to love well. So we just receive these waves well, of His presence and His love. Shalom. There it is. vertical or when this side or somebody's struggling I just release healing right now. I know that this if somebody also had with a breathing problem, I don't know. I think it was even maybe all the way back from the COVID season that he's just restoring somebody that a shortness of breath is being healed right now in Jesus' name. So I can just feel that in the spirit. So just wah bah just starts to bring restoration. Restoration. Ah in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Can we just start to thank Jesus? Yes. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing here. Let's just take a few moments and just rest in Him. We're going to be in this resting place today. I actually just sense I just changed my message, but I just felt a few moments ago. He's here. Did you know that He's here? And when Jesus is here, good things happen. Uh, some years ago, uh, uh, I still remember I arrived in Ankeny, Iowa. Actually, the story is we were in, uh, I was in Huntsville, Alabama. We used to live in Florence, Alabama. And as I was sitting in the car, uh, a person actually has been here, Christopher Olson. Christopher Olson is a spiritual <coughs> son, but I was on the phone with him. While I was on the phone, uh, first of all, I'm like, Christopher, where are you? Because so I heard, oh, it's like it went dead. And I thought, it sounded a little rude, because he just, he kind of was on the line, but he was not there, and he wouldn't talk back to me. So I thought maybe I lost him. What I found out is, why would we just talk in the presence of God just hit him? <laughs> and he's been here. So later on, Christopher, you just ended up on the floor. He is, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, and he is in Ankeny, Iowa. And so, so Christopher went, oh, so I'm supposed to be in staff meeting. So he went, he's going to head to staff meeting, and he was a little intoxicated. He had been in the presence of God. So he walked by Laura, the secretary, boom, she fell off the chair. So that this is very interesting, this is strange. And then eventually, but some of you maybe were there and, and remember that story back. And then eventually he came into the staff meeting. And when he came into the staff meeting, the same presence that we felt in the car on the way from Huntsville now filled up the staff meeting in Anthony. At that time, it was Heartland Assembly God Church. Dave Olson is the senior pastor. And the presence just came in. So I was supposed to do some services that Sunday night, and then the next moment, the expectation level, you didn't have to try to announce, people, you need to come to the meeting, but people were coming. It's like God is here, people started to tell stories. So when I came there, there was such a hunger in this place. The room was filled up, and there was people on the outside, I'm like, wow, what's going on here? And that's kind of how I found out what was going on. And then from that very place, I remember there was one man, He's actually in heaven right now, a very tragic story, but he was having services in Wisconsin. And we were in his presence, and it was just the host of present. And I just thought about that he came in, I said, services were so good that I still remember I couldn't preach. It was just learning how to host his glory and his present. So one moment we were holding over the phone and they said, there's a service going on in Wisconsin. There's 700 people. So just over the cell phone, we just hold the cell phone and the presence of God, eight Wisconsin, 700 people, boom. Somebody was sitting there, a sports person who needed knee replacement and the next moment the knee was just being healed and other people were being healed and the presence was showing up. I remember over in this corner of the building, suddenly it was like a cloud of rain and people were just getting soaked in the middle of the meeting. And other ones, we saw fog in the middle. It was just this significant time, and you didn't want to do anything. And I remember I laid on the stage. I just was out, and Dave Olson was out. We were out, and the people were out, and God was just taking over. And we just didn't want to mess with it. 
And the fear of the Lord was there, where you just like, God, if you could just do this one more time. But it was one testimony I felt, that's the reason I, that story just came to my mind. It was something on the same road I felt. But anyway, we, late that night, it was literally hours into the service, and pretty much everybody, we were undone by Jesus. And, and the worship team, I was thinking, are they going to play? But all of them were out too. So, so they didn't help. I mean, the worship team was on the floor. And one of the guys who was playing the guitar, he's still part of one of the leaders of the church. He looked like a ghost. So I thought, maybe I can ask. I was a little intoxicated, but I was going to ask him just to testify. But he was just, he walked right out. <laughs> At first, I was thinking, he's kind of a little rude. I mean, it was like, but he was pale and boom, right out. So the next day again, God showed up. And we had literally meetings that went from morning pretty much to night, and it wouldn't stop. And uh, I still remember the story. One person was sitting in the middle of the building, and in the middle of the meetings, when the glory was there, holding up the cell phone, I said, my dad, he's on the phone on the other side, and he has Alzheimer's. And, and I think he was in Indiana. He, my dad is in Indiana, and he has Alzheimer's. The presence of God just hit him, and later we finally got healed from Alzheimer's. This is all the problem. And all these things that was taking place, it was just an environment. You could just think about a prodigal son, and they came home. It was just one of those environments that you wore in a zone, and we didn't want to mess with it, so I was trying to figure out, what do we do? I mean, how do we host him? And how do we make a room where he will stay? And, I don't want to do anything to offend his presence. But the next day, Steve finally came and he was willing to testify. And Steve, he was telling the story that when he was in high school, which was many, many years earlier. So this was probably 24, 25 years earlier, him being in high school. And his high school girlfriend had become pregnant. And what Steve pretty much did, this is before he was saved, he pretty much forced her to take an abortion. And so he has three sons, now him and his wife. But at that moment, he just realized that I should have had a daughter. And so he had been through a lot of inner healing and a lot of things. And there was, so when he got saved, he just realized he later on married the person he's married to now. And, and they had three sons and time had gone by, but he constantly had his ache in his life. There was something there that he just and he had gone through Zozo and restoring the foundation and all the different inner healing, but there was still something missing in his life. But during the time when they were in the glory, and he was out that night, and the next moment his spirit was taken up. And there was this big wooden door, and put a handle on. Suddenly Jesus was there, and opened up the door, and said, Steve, I want you to come in. And I don't know what it was, was it a vision or whatever, I do not know. He was just describing, I know his body was on the stage, but something was taking place that he is describing. And he said, as I came there, Jesus took me in, and he said, I want you to meet your daughter. And then he said, and she came up and says, Dad, I forgive you. And would you dance with me? And so he was just up there dancing with his girl in the heavenlies. I can't describe it, but he got totally healed from this thing that he had struggled with all these years. And he just was glowing. And I was just thinking about this environment when Jesus is showing up and the environment starts to change. And this... Uh, and it started to spread, and it started to spread to other places where people went. People drove seven, eight hours to come to the meetings. Parents, as I said, they took kids out of school, and it was just this glorious time. And I've been around from what happened in Toronto in '94, and got to be around quite a bit of what was taking place in the move of God's Spirit. Or Pensacola, we talked about it earlier, of Father's Day in '95. I went there in August of 95, stood in long line in Pensacola, got there at 7 o'clock in the morning and I waited to the evening service. And there was no room, I had to be in the overflow room. Traveled all the way from Norway, you sold the little items you had because you were hungry for something more. And I'm sensing we're in a season in America that the old is not going to do any longer. You need fresh bread, I cannot go on yesterday's bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And this fresh bread for today. And that hunger as a young little boy in Norway, probably six, seven years old, my parents took us to Denmark and there was a bakery there. And I remember early in the morning, I was willing as a little boy to get up early in the morning to stand in line because there was this fresh Danish bread. And I was just seeing the same thing in Ankeny at that day and went with Randy Clark later on 
after we were finished a long period of seasonal meetings and encounters. It was also during the time when first time I saw somebody out of the wheelchair in America. They were sitting there and Renee was running all over the building, the place exploded. God was in the house. Rumors started to spread. Marriages was being re reconciled. Drug addicts were being set free. Prodigal sons was coming home. Jesus was showing up and he was bringing glory to himself. And I remember one of the aches after time went along and presence hit Phoenix, Arizona. We were there with Randy and I still remember these waves that was coming in and people were having encounters with God. And so I just, these things came to my spirit and then I remember because of sometimes the fatigue element to be in revival where morning goes to night, the night goes to morning. And I do feel that what we were able to have, and I've shared that with them, we could have continued. It was not that God stopped, but we just realized that at the time that we had a fire, but we didn't have a healthy fireplace. What do you mean by that? Because a lot of people came to me to pray for them, and it's not the way it was supposed to be. And there's not going to be room for any superstars, only superheroes. Yeah. And the superheroes is just ordinary people. It is when everybody is playing. It is not going to be about a powerful man of God. It's going to be about a power, powerful people of God. Yeah. And it's going to be just the ordinary people that are stepping into that. So the people like ourselves that gets to be part of that is there to equipping you to be able to start to stew in the fire. Stewing oil of intimacy with your lover so that you can burn brightly without burning up. It's not as easy just to come and we put something in the offering plate or we're buying a book or hey, can I get some oil? But this is a season for you to get to know the lover of your life. And to do that, he's wanted to restore your identity back. And then it took me into another picture, and that's when I shifted my message. And I probably would take tonight's message tomorrow morning. And we're going to help you to soar as eagles tomorrow morning to getting above the storm clouds of life so you can see the invisible and do the impossible. Because it's a season to come up higher. It is not to flap any lower, but it is a season to soar and allowing the wind of the Spirit to start to bring God. Because we have to see things from heaven's perspective in what is taking place. So tomorrow we're raising up to soaring sons and daughters. But I felt tonight I wanted to go in and mention another message that just started to burn in me connected to what I'm saying. We were in, in Castle Rock, Colorado, and then after the service then we went to Colorado Springs and was doing this big event with a lot of names that you will know. And it was one of those times, I can be honest, I had been tired. We had gone from city to city and country to country. Heidi had just coming in from Mozambique and we were tired and it was this place where there was several thousand people, they wanted oil. And I just realized I don't have any more oil left. I'm empty. And I just wanted to go to be alone with Jesus and, and just to be able to be alone, but I hadn't had time with him. I'd just be giving and giving and praying for sick people and all the needs and pouring oil into empty vessels. And I hadn't taken the time to be alone with a lover of my soul. So I knew I was going to speak the next afternoon, and it's kind of a little scary thing because in this environment, people were expecting to get some oil, and I could smell myself, I would smell my flesh. And burning flesh is different than burning oil. So when you know you have oil of intimacy because you have not had a time to be in the secret place, so you didn't have any secret to give. So this was kind of an environment. So I'm putting this up. So in Colorado, I was going to go up to my room and I traveled with a mat. I have it with me here. It's like a yoga mat. So don't be scared. I don't do yoga for some of your friends. What I do is I stretch because I try to be a little flexible because of a lot of surgery. I bring this mat with me everywhere I go so I can find a posture like some of you that are just resting. So sometimes I just lay down on that mat and I can even be in an airport if I need to stretch it with just so important just to be alone with him. It's a place that I can be anywhere in the world, no matter how dirty the carpet is in hotels. So anyway, so I was putting my mat on the floor, and we're going to look at the scripture to make this meeting legal. Open up your Bible to John chapter 19, because that's what I got. Are you guys okay? I just sense that there's some fresh oil of intimacy. This is an invitation for something more. Say there is more. Is there anyone here that knows there is more? 
Are you hungry for something more? I know that Jesus has provided fullness, but it is different what I have in my pocket compared to what you have in the account. Right. And you can have a whole heavenly account but not have access to it. And I'm interested that we are going to be able to have access to some of the things that God has for us in this season. But in John chapter 19, eventually these verses, I'm going to read them because that's what came to my spirit that day. And then I will share a little bit of the background. But it's taken from verse 25. John 19, 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, say his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, say that with me, say the disciple whom he loved. Standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, To the disciple, behold, your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Say, after this. Amen. Say that again. Say, after this. Amen. Jesus, knowing that all, say all, all things will now be accomplished. So after this, say after this, yes. knowing that all things were accomplished, Jesus, so that Jesus, excuse me, so that scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And then we know eventually a very verse that the colonel had in the wall in the house where he's staying. He says eventually it is finished, is the next word. Meaning to tell the last time, it is finished, it is complete, I pay for that. So this, these verses hit me, and I have read them many different times, and I'm going to go back. So here I am in Colorado, tired, don't have any oil, and I wanted to prepare for my message, and I, I couldn't get anything. And there was something aching in me. It was on a Saturday, and I never forget that Saturday. And I just, I need something for this afternoon. I, I could read something, but it had no oil on it. I could preach something, but it didn't have oil on it. There was nothing fresh from him. I didn't have fresh bread. I had yesterday's bread. And I knew people needed something fresh. They didn't want to eat yesterday's bread. So I'm on the floor there, and I'm just trying to spend some time with the Lord. And eventually these verses, but maybe 30 minutes before these verses came to my mind, and I kind of had a little desperation. I prayed a little bit in the spirit. Oh, la, 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 sheep, la, 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 la. I still didn't get anything. I was trying to soak with my favorite soaking music, and I didn't get anything. I tried to open up the scripture. I didn't get anything. I tried everything that I knew until eventually I'm like, I'm about to give up. And I didn't want actually to be there. I didn't want to speak to people. I wanted to be home with my wife. And I wanted to be home with my family. I was homesick. And I just witnessed my family. I've been on the road a little bit too long. And then I was actually starting to think about my mama and my family was in Norway. Because the next day, it was Mother's Day. You can start to see where I'm setting it off with this text. But I feel there's going to be a key something and start to unlock something in some of our life that God had in my life and I felt again just during the service today this invitation for intimacy holy intimacy with your lover so here we are in this story so I'm still there in Colorado so I decided to get rid of this voice because all I can think about mothers then I thought let me call my mom and that's what I did hello gratulera my moustache don't look at me that way. I thought you were spirit filled. <laughs> okay, okay, let me give you the interpretation. Happy Mother's Day, Mom, and I miss you so much, and I love you, and, and I wish I could be home, and especially have me a cup of coffee and, and that almond cake with yellow cream that you made. I'm a mama's boy, by the way. So I'm just sitting there expressing to my mom, and my mom says, I love you and I miss you too. Then I call my wife and say, Happy Mother's Day, and I miss you and I love you, and I miss the kids, and they were home. And I also thought, now maybe the dove comes back and I could get rid of the pigeons. Because there was so much noise, I couldn't hear that still small voice. Have you ever been there? And so when there's so much noise, you can't hear the father's voice, and you can't see the father's face. You're starting to look at the circumstances instead of to see who he is. So I thought that was going to happen, and that's when these scripture verses came. And I heard God almost as clearly as I'm talking here, in the voice 
says, Leif, could I entrust you to take care of my mother? At first I was like, I rebuked that voice, and then it happened again. And then I remembered the Mother's Day. So why is it? And then I, I remember he said, yeah, I know a lot of people, and I had the honor of traveling with some of the most anointed people in the world, prophets, apostles, and authors, and you name it. I've had the honor. But when it comes to my mom, if you ask me, if you would take care of your mother, you're going to be gone. There's very few people I would have on that list that would love my mother the way I would love my mother and take care of my mother the way I would take care of my mom. And they would be very, very important. Or my wife, if I was going to say, if I knew I was not going to go back, if someone was going to take care of my wife. So I was just reflecting on that. And that's when these scripture verses came to me. So suddenly in the next moment, boom, John 19. It just hit me. And I opened it up and I started to read what I just read for you. And I was wondering, what is he trying to say in his disease? And we had just been in this incredible outpouring of God's Spirit. And I realized that Jesus is looking for somebody who will take care of what is the most valuable to Him. Jesus Himself was not ready yet to die and go to heaven. And it was not just the torture and all the things He went through. Because Jesus became sin with your sinfulness, so you become righteous with His righteousness. Jesus took your shame so that you are glorified. He took your sickness and disease so by His stripes you are healed. Jesus took your poverty so that you could share this abundance. And I believe actually pretty much what took Jesus' life, He became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters. He always called him Father, Father, Father. Until this moment, he says, Ali, 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 Lama, Sabbat, and he says, My God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't say Father, Father. He says, My God. He was separated for a moment from perfect love so that you and I could be restored back again to the perfect love. So what happened on the cross was more than just saving you from something. It will save you to something. And it is everything that is included in inheritance, what he paid for. Did he get what he paid for when it comes to the way that we are receiving this? And all of that is connected to identity, that's connected to intimacy. Because all the inheritance flows from that place. It's not for orphans with orphan's heart and orphan spirit. So anyway, so go back to those scripture verses. So then I started, he said, Late, why was it John? Why was John the one that was entrusted to take care of my mother? I had never thought about that. A lot of my Catholic friends had not even heard of it. I just shared about it in Rwanda in the Catholic Church. And then I said, why John? Why did Jesus choose John to be the one to take care of his mom? Why not his own brothers, half-brothers half according to the culture? Why was it John? And then I started to look at the life of John. And I started to look in a mirror with my life. And I feel that that's what we're going to take a few moments because would you be the one, even for the next move of God's Spirit, even to host something that is so valuable to Him, would you be the one that He would entrust, that would reorganize your life, change your apostolic calendar, make room for taking care of what is the most valuable to Jesus? And I realized in my own life, I got convicted because I saw my schedule See, I was traveling all over, and I knew it's going to take such a reorganization of everything that has to do with my life. But are you willing to get rid of whatever it is needed to be able to host and take care of what is most valuable to Him? And we have words about revival coming here. You have words about open heaven. You have words about hosting Him. But what sometimes what He is asking us, would you steward and take care of what is so most valuable to Him? I learned very quickly when that outpouring happened in Antigone that very day. I learned that people, even they called us up from TV stations, they started to call us up and started to, because before you know it, there was this stir everywhere and everybody wanted you to come. And it is so easy to be distracted if you do not know the main thing is the main thing. And it is easy to, to be here and say, I want that outpouring and then we get dizzy. But do we want to host? It was not that easy. It's not easy for the children's department. It was not easy in Brownsville. It was not easy in Toronto. When certainly even the own church members didn't know how to get into church. Because from all over the world, people were standing in line. They flew to Pensacola. And from 7 in the morning to night, they were there. And there's people there that I know. They used to have your seat in church. Now the church is filled up. And the services went there to midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. And then the next morning, there's a new line. 
And something had to be reorganized. Somebody had to change everything around to host and take care. Not just one day, not just one week, month, years. But people was changing everything around to be able to take care of what is most valuable to him. I know about one person who was a janitor in Pensacola. That when he finished at work at 5 o'clock, he went to the building and he was there at 1 o'clock next morning. Then he got up next morning and he was there as a janitor all day. And then he came to Christ and he started to serve the people. And it was many of those type of stories. And it went on for weeks and months and years. But I do feel that was an invitation that God was reminding me about, about something that was to come. And I connect that to Anthony, but I felt there's a holy moment here to just for us to check our hearts. So why John? Why not Peter? Why not James? And we could just go to the list. And that started my process. Would you like to know the answer that I found? Just wave to me if you do. And you're going to hear it anyway. I just want to make sure you're away. Do you remember John? John used to be a lion, and we sang about the lion. Hey, let's get fire from heaven to, to destroy the ones that don't receive you, Jesus. Do you remember the story? If you watch the Passion, excuse me, the uh, uh, Chosen, yeah. If you see the Chosen, you remember that one story, and you got to see John. I mean, John, he used to be a lion until he met the lamb. Jesus was a lamb. Excuse me, Jesus was a lion that became a lamb, so that we can become lamb that become lion. And he started ahead with all authority and he came down here and he humbled himself and he became a lamb. And they wanted a lion on Palm Sunday instead of at the lamb. And John and even Peter and some of the guys, let's get fire from heaven. Hey, the spirit of Elijah. And by the way, Elijah had some anger issues. In the old covenant, but Jesus was just, that's not the spirit, and he rebuked some of that spirit, including in Peter. So don't try to use Elijah as a good example for New Testament prophecy. Because you have a rage issue. No, you need deliverance and freedom. It's called anger issue. It's called depression, Elijah. That's why in 1 Kings 19, you were depressed and suicidal, and you needed an encounter to be set free. And he did. Anyway, so I didn't need to go there. <laughs> Let me shoot that rabbit. <laughs> Back to John. So why John? What is it about John? And then John started to meet Jesus and hang around Jesus because who Jesus is to you is who Jesus becomes through you. The more he spent time with the Lamb, something started to change. It was not just how much Jesus loved John, but something started to change with John that captured me that day. I had never seen it before. But John started to love John the way Jesus loved John. If you read the book of Matthew, you never see Matthew says, I'm the one that he loves. Read the book of Mark, Mark never says, I'm the one that he loves. You read Dr. Luke, who wrote what Luke in the book of Acts. I mean, this guy's brilliant. But you never find it there, hey, to whom the disciple who Jesus loves standing by. And then you get to the book of John, and six different times in the book of John, John says it about John. To whom the disciple Jesus loved, standing by. Here I am. And that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way. As much inspired as John 3.16. How could you, John, say that, that you are the one that he loves? Six different times, and that's one single time was a cut out of the inerrancy and infallibility of God's word. It's right there. And I can tell you that's the truth, is because. First of all, it was not just how much Jesus loved John that started to change him when he watched that. As I have loved you, love one another. He had watched how he was washing feet. He has watched Jesus over and over again, how he touched the leper. He had watched him with women. He has been around the lover of his life. But something started to change with John that was different than Peter and the rest of the guys. John came into loving John the way Jesus loved John. That's why he six different times could describe himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So Jesus had multitudes, say multitudes. He had 72, say 72. They were sent out with signs, wonders, and miracles. He had 12, say 12. He had covenant relationship instead of contractual, convenient relationship. Then he had three, say three. He had who, who are those three? Peter, James, and... So he had the three that had different relationship with him than the twelve didn't, and that the seventy-two didn't, and the multitudes didn't. And those three, like the Mount of Transfiguration, there was three of them that was coming up and got to see it. 
the three of them within four different times of scriptures, at least we see them experiencing things with Jesus that nobody else got. But among the three, Jesus had a one. Say one. And what was his name? And throughout the book of John, John loved John the way Jesus loved John. And he was the only one there, so we're going to see this. So, number one, take notes. Say identity. Say that again. Say identity. Say John loved John the way Jesus loved John. This is very, very much of a key. Would you be one that can be entrusted with the future of the things that God? Not just to have a visitation, and we host visitation, but to have habitation. To reorganizing your life, to be able to take care. And I'm not talking about you shouldn't usually give up your job as a school teacher or whatever. But all I am just saying is, are you going to make room for him? Not just the, we want a little Jesus on the side. But when we start to reorganizing our life and we're making sure that Jesus gets the first place in every area of our life, we're making room for Him. We want to host Him. And we're going to host what is most valuable to Him. That is His presence. And at that moment, Jesus' mother was the most valuable thing. Because in the moment when He had organized, who's going to take care of my mama? That's why He went ahead and He could die. Because He knew somebody's going to take care of her just like I would take care of her. And later on he went to heaven and he sent us the Holy Spirit for us to take care of something that is very valuable to him. There's a mission and a calling and something he wants us to host. And there's been people in history that hosted him well. But most of the people that could only handle a visitation, they didn't know how to build habitation. A culture that could change culture. But it starts with, say, identity. So I'm laying on the floor there in Colorado and I'm just getting so overwhelmed by John. John became my new hero. If you ask me before, who did you like the most? Peter. I love Peter. A lion in Peter. Let's get that knife and cut the ear off this guy. <laughs> so I have some of the Peter tendons, the Norwegian Viking in me. But that day as I started to see John and I realized that John had something with Jesus that Peter didn't. And I realized, what is that? And I had experienced what the multitude had. I experienced when I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Randy Clark prayed for me about the 72. I experienced through the baptism of love what the 12 got to experience, covenant relationship and becoming part of that. I had experienced the first time the glory came in and the Mount of Transfiguration, it was a quarrel of Malaysia. <sighs> the glory came in and none of us could move. For two hours I remember I was there, just experienced it again last week. And then there was the last time the glory came and I couldn't move my fingers. And I know my spiritual son Nicholas just came up and he prayed and I was just standing there and said, Papa, I don't even remember what he said. I just went down and I sat in the chair. And I was like, my nose is itchy, but I cannot move my hands. <laughs> it's one of the side effects of not being able to move your hands. But I didn't care because the weightiness is there. But the first time that I experienced that was the quarter of Malaysia. The glory run, but then I knew that John experienced things I had not experienced with Jesus. And I knew I'm not ready to be the one that will be entrusted to take care of what is most valuable to him. And this became a challenge, and I feel he is raising up that challenge again to me. We talked about it on the way here. There's a cost with that. So say when we say identity. The second picture for me when he was laying on that mat was intimacy. Say intimacy. In the upper room. Do you remember in the upper room, the, the guys were together there. And then eventually Jesus comes in and says, one of you are about to betray me. And in this setting, John does something very unique. Because Peter is right away, who is it? Like, let's take care of it. Somebody is about to betray our Pastor Steve, who is it? So some of the good farmers is coming along. But instead, what John does is, Pastor Steve, sorry. <laughs> into the bosom. John just got when other people are asking the question. John is leaning for the answer. So are you one with all the chaos that's going out there, with all the noise that is going out there, when the question is who is going to come after Jesus and persecute the Christians and all of those, have you known how to come right in and put your head against Jesus' chest where your ears has been warmed up with a heartbeat of your lover where he can give you the secrets so Peter is asking the question, but John gets the answer. You learn how to lean. 
This is a season we're going to have to lean into him, the intimacy. Say intimacy. The next picture I saw that day in Colorado, and I saw it from, and I still remember from the Jesus film, one of the Hindu that ran up to the screen during the Jesus film, and he said, Jesus, Jesus, come down from the cross. I am the one that's supposed to be on the cross. Jesus, Jesus, come down. I'm the guilty. You are the innocent. Come down, Jesus. And that's kind of the picture that I could see of John. Where's the rest of the disciples? They have ran. Where's Peter when the crucifixion is? It was Jesus, his mama, and a couple of women. And the rest of the guys are gone. The third thing I learned about John that day, the fellowship of his suffering. I know we don't want to talk about that in America's theology. Because we've had a gospel, it's just what Jesus is going to do for you. And if he doesn't live up to the benefits, you're going to be disappointed with Jesus. Who wants a savior? Who wants a healer? Who wants abundance? Who wants... Okay, if you raise your hand, you're going to get all these benefits. And we're offering people a Sunday without a Friday. And there is no Sunday without a Friday. We're offering resurrection life without crucifixion. But there is no life without death. And then we do not describe there's a Saturday between Friday and Sunday. And for some people that can last years. So how do we navigate those Saturdays? But I have some good news. If you have experiencing a Friday, Sunday is coming. There's a Sunday coming. There's hope coming. It doesn't matter. Don't give up. Hold on. Even if you should walk through the valley of shadow of death, you shall fear no evil because I am with you. You're going to walk through it and you're going to get to the other side. You're going to get to Sunday. Because Sunday is coming. But if you're in the middle of all of that, he prepares a table even before your enemy. And I want you to know there is an enemy there, but there is also Jesus there. What are you focusing on? The enemy that is there or the one that prepares the food that you need on the table to face your enemy. Both is there in the middle of this Saturday season before Sunday is coming along. And there is a Sunday moment when it comes to your health. There's resurrection. There's Sunday moment for your family. There's Sunday coming for all of us. And I'm here to encourage you, Sunday is coming. And don't be afraid of Friday. And John was there on the Friday. Say the fellowship of the suffering. John also steward. Say steward. And it is also steward. Stewarding the presence. John was the one that took care of his mama. The Bible said at that moment, pretty much what he did, he reorganized his life. And he took care of what is most valuable to Jesus. So John 19, what John did, have an apostolic calendar. Here's my calling. Here's what I'm going to do. And then Jesus comes in, changes everything around. And then at that moment, what John does, he starts to take care. At that moment, I'm on the floor in Colorado, and I started to have a little humor. I was just thinking, hey, John. John coming up to Mary. And, hey, would you like some stew? John is making some stew and some bread. And now he has the opportunity to ask all those questions. Hey, hey, hey Mama. Mary, just tell me something. How was it when you knew that you were changing the diaper of God? Yeah. <laughs> How did it feel like when that boy is coming home, the 12-year-old on the basketball team, and is just saying, Mom, 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 I don't want to play with Jesus anymore. He always thinks he's right. <laughs> Have you played ball against Jesus? It's like playing against God himself. <laughs> I could see some of the humor even going on between Mary and John as they were just relating and doing life, but he's taking care, and he got to have all these incredible insights about Jesus that nobody else did. John was there for the resurrection, and that's some of us that's going to just have to hold on to Sunday's coming in our life. And then the last picture I saw John, John was entrusted with the future of the things to come. And when John eventually, now the people, historian says he was boiled, he was boiled in Alexandria, and they tried to kill him. All the rest of the disciples had been killed by them, both in 64 AD and 70 AD, and in this process, severe persecution that was coming against the believers. We know the story probably about 64 AD, when Peter eventually, he also, by the way, got the baptism of love 2.0. It was later on he got it. And you see that in John 21 when Jesus five times, uh, three times says, do you love me? Because three times Peter had denied him. Three times Peter fell asleep. 
And three times Jesus says, do you love me? What does Jesus do? He built a fire. Why did he build a coal of fire when they've been out fishing again? There's part of the reason he built that because the last time it was a coal of fire, that's when he denied him. And so what he wants to do, he's building a fire for some so that you also can coming in and he can deal with the most painful part of your life. The reason Peter was not there, it was because of shame. It was not their crucifixion. It was full of shame, fear, and guilt. I denied the love of my life. The very thing I said I would never do, I did. And some people, it is that divorce, or that person left me, or that hurt, or that wound. There's things that is keeping you. And as a result of that, what Jesus wants to restore, after he appeared himself, two women, and by the way, all of you women, I shouldn't talk so fast, let me slow up. I just get excited. But all of you women, the first two that was ordained by Jesus were two women. The first two that got experienced the resurrection of Jesus were two women. And their assignment was to take the message, which is the gospel, to the apostle and to men. The first voice the enemy tried to silence in the garden was the first voice Jesus restored at his resurrection. The voice of women. That's everywhere there's religion, the enemy's trying to silence the voice of daddy's little girl. Wherever the father comes in, he's restoring his daughters and the voice of his little girls. So I'm just putting that into perspective. Now Peter in this moment, when it was this, Peter and the guys went back fishing again. This is after three times Jesus appeared before Peter. And in the book of Mark, it says to Peter, it says, hey, to tell the women and go and tell the disciples, but especially Peter in the book of Mark, read it. Especially Peter. What is Jesus doing? He's heading for Peter because he's always seen Peter. From the moment he saw a fisherman, he started to see somebody he's going to build a church, the gates of hell cannot prevail against. He saw somebody full of courage. He saw somebody that was free. He saw somebody who's going to lead Pentecost revival fire. But Peter had not seen Peter the way Jesus sees Peter. And after three resurrection appearances, Peter go back to fishing again. And there's some of you that is trying to find out what worked in the past because you're no longer who you used to be, but you have not yet become what you're supposed to become. And so Peter and the guys to go back to fishing, and when they cannot get any fish, when was the last time he got fishing? It's when he left everything to follow the lordship of Jesus. And now he's trying to find himself in the world again. Just as he did to go and warm himself up on a fire. And when your emotional tank is low, that's what happened to them. They were fatigued. They were worn out. And at that moment, when the chaos came in, is when he warmed himself up at a fire and somebody said, Oh, you are the one with him. And he denied him three times. He normally wouldn't have done that, but his emotional tank was low. He was tired. He was fatigued. And three times Jesus walked to left in the prayer meeting because they fell asleep of exhaustion. Of all the chaos that was going around. They had trauma, and on the trauma betraying him, Jesus is about to heal it. He's coming down from the shore, and then eventually there's this guy. Hey, boys, did you get any fish? Do you remember the story? Give me seven minutes, and I will land this. But I feel this is a very, very important thing for us. It's going to be this, what I call also sometimes a Baptist about Rock 2.0. It's for you to love you the way that he loves you. And then at that moment when he comes in, Guess who it is? Jesus is on the shore. Peter is like, no, why don't you throw it on the other side? When was the last time that happened? And this time we know they get 153 large fish. And then John says, it is the Lord. How did John recognize it was the Lord? Because when you cannot see him, can you still recognize the small voice? It is the Lord. And when Peter hears that, he puts on his cloak, probably just had his underwear. Put on the cloak. And he jumped out of the boat. Maybe he thought he's going to walk on water again. First time it was faith. This time it was presumption. And there's a big difference between it. Because he did it in the first time doesn't mean you still need to only do what you see your father do. But in this moment he started. And he started to swim. And when he came ashore there is a fire. A coal of fire. You saw it in John 18, 18. But now you see it again in John 21 there. The coal of fire. When the only two times in the Greek this word is used, the coal of fire. And when was the first time of the coal of fire? The denial. What is Jesus doing? Coming right back there. When Peter sees that, so he comes swimming and he sees the coals of fire. 
And Jesus says, get some food. He's going to break bread again with him. Communion. That's what happened when the Moravians, when the revival fell. That's what happened when Wesley went revival. They were having communion. Breaking the bread together. So Jesus like, get some food and fish and break the bread. But Peter sees this fire. Something comes into him. Fear, shame, and guilt. Everything from his past got sold. And then he comes in. Jesus just sit down, breaks the bread. There's a sign. Do you love me? He didn't call him Peter. Even if he has said you are no longer Simon, you are Peter before. He still called him Simon because he went back to being like a Simon. But Jesus is about to restore once for all. And he wants to do that for you also this evening. So that you can burn brightly without burning out. So that you can get ready for your Pentecost experience. Full of fire, full of wind and wine. The fire will give you the passion. So you burn brightly without burning out. The wind will give you the power. Say power. And the wine will give you the pleasure, say pleasure. And Pentecost is the pleasure of Papa God so that you can have to enjoy him in the middle of turbulence. And there was turbulence in that culture. And eventually you get to Acts 19 and turn the world upside down. And everyone in Asia heard the gospel. But Acts 19 11, how is that possible for these ordinary people? It's the very love that made them continue to burn. Peter is now courageous, no longer fear. And by the time he got to 64 AD, what historians says when they came to get him, he had first run, but then he went back again. He said, no, I'm coming back. And when they took him, he said, no, I'm not worthy to be crucified. Like my Lord, no longer full of fear, no longer denying. And he got crucified upside down. And that's what Jesus is prophesying in the end of John 21 over Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my lamb, feed my sheep, feed my... And then by the third, do you love me? Boom, love goes into that deepest root area of his life. Boom. And then Jesus starts to tell him, let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who Steve is. Let me tell you who you are. You maybe see yourself full of shame, fear, and guilt. That's not how I see you. And he starts to tell you about the future you, the real you, the way he's always seen you. And at that moment, the truth comes in, and the truth will set you free. And you will never go back again. And up and down depending on the circumstances. At that moment, when love goes into those places, and you see you the way that he sees you, you love you the way that he loves you, at that moment, freedom comes in. Are you guys okay? Yeah. So the last part of John. John is here now, so we have both Peter and John in this. Peter has been crucified 64 AD, uh, 94 to 96 AD. John is now old, and I could see the last picture. And again, I'm on this mat in Colorado. And at this moment, oil is coming back to me. Oil starts to fill my tank, and I start to sense this joy is coming back again. I'm realizing I'm about to have a fresh encounter with Jesus. And at this next picture of John, he's there with a long beard, and he's looking up. He's out on the island of Patmos, and he's looking up into the sky. There's thunder, there's lightning, and there's a severe storm this day, and he's looking up, and he starts to reflect about the love of his life. He reflects that how he used to be as a person, but just the very patience and the kindness and the love of Jesus. He's reflecting about all the miracles he has seen, how he changed the atmosphere, how Jesus crossed the culture and even ministered to the Samaritans, how Jesus was so different than anybody else. And he was just so grateful. And then he remembers the crucifixion. And to watch you, John, you are the one that is that Jesus took his place. And he remembered that long Saturday, and then Sunday came along, and the joy of that Sunday. He remembered even they went back to fishing again, and he saw the restoration of Peter. And eventually, he starts to reflect over this long, long life, and then taking care of Mary, and the stories with Mary. And he is there, and he's being so overwhelmed by Jesus. And then suddenly, heaven opens up, and this is the revelation! And this curtain, this apocalypto, it opens up. And guess what comes out? This is the revelation! Not of Antichrist. But this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then the whole future of Jesus Christ starts to open up this glorious future. And in one moment he saw him, oh, I saw him, I saw the fire in his eye. And in the next moment I looked at there, I was looking, is there anyone that is open to, oh, anyone that is qualified to open the scroll? And I looked and I looked, I could no one. And there came the line of the tribe of Judah. And as I looked, only the line of the tribe of Judah. And as I continued, oh, there is the Lamb. It started well. 
and it ends well. Where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and glory of God the Father. We're coming into the season where the nations are to come. All of these systems going to lay every crown at his feet. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Worthy is the Lamb. And John had captured something. He had captured the Lamb. And now he's a lion and he roars into the future. And he gets the unfolding of this beautiful future that is to come. Some of you are looking at the wrong script of the future. Because we have not captured a picture of who he is and who he is. And the secret to this very thing, the ones you're beholding, is what you're becoming. And what you become is what you want to release. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife.aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.